You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon from the studios of Community Radio 91.3. Reporting live for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Scott Weddle, and this is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, February 26, 2020. Well, there is some pollution that's associated with burning, of course, and there are risks to the individual animals that may be out and about. That's Steve Cotter, Natural Resources Manager for the Bloomington Parks and Recreation Department, talking about prescribed burns at Griffey Lake. That's coming up in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, WFHB Junior Correspondent Katrine Bruner reports on the Board of Park Commissioners meeting yesterday. Better Beware is coming up later in the program, but first, your local headlines. Early next month, pay stations will be installed in two downtown Bloomington parking lots. Lot 1 will be located at 4th and Dunn Street. Lot 3 located at 4th and Washington Street. Drivers, uh, the pay stations are part of a six-month trial period providing the city with parking availability and turnover data. In 2018, a downtown parking area study recommended that the installment to improve the, quote, customer experience efficiency and convenience of downtown parking, end quote, according to a city press release. Two pay stations will be implemented in each lot. After parking, drivers will enter their license plate number into one pay station and then choose a desired amount of time. Parkers will pay $1 per hour parking in the lots. The pay station will accept coins, credit and debit card payments. Credit card users will be charged a convenience fee and must park for one hour minimum. The mobile app payment option Park Mobile can still be used for pay station lots. The downtown parking enforcement hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. through 9 p.m. Ellettsville Planning Director Kevin Talati presented Building Department text amendments during the February 24th Ellettsville Town Council meeting. He spoke about new permit requirements for detached accessory structure. Currently, our code was a little conflicting, whether it was 120 feet or over 120 feet. We actually backed it down to anything over 99 feet, so 100 feet or more requires a permit. That partially is to give us a little more uh, oversight to kind of keep people from putting sheds and easements and other things that eventually cause other problems. Talati said residents cannot live in accessory structures. He said requirement details were added to the site improvement permit section. This goes into more of what we're, we require when building permits come in, um, what activities are exempt from permits, uh, what's required in the application, and we added a section on review, review period. So if anyone does apply or whenever someone does apply, they know when to expect it back. Talati said issued permits will expire after one year. Talati said all permit-related fees are contained in an added section. He said site location and building permit fees will be cheaper than what the county currently charges. 
Council members approved all amendments. The Monroe County Jail will see the addition of a psychiatric nurse practitioner providing mental health services to inmates. The addition would allow for four hours of visit time per week and on-call nurse services. Monroe County Jail Commander Sam Crow said the jail has seen a rise of inmate mental health needs. He said the jail can also expect an increase in prescription medications for inmates. Mental health professionals follow strict protocol to determine if an inmate requires prescribed medication. Monroe County Plan Commission approved a recommendation for Holland Pines High Density Rezone. The first petition hearing was in November 2019. Planner Tanny Behrman listed new petitioner commitments during the February 18th meeting. So the first one is that a 15-foot wide conservancy easement would be along the west and south property lines designated on the plat. They're proposing connections. Uh, The project will require a connection of the proposed extension of East Holland Drive from the cul-de-sac and Hollandfield subdivision to the west property line. And this project would also require applicable sidewalk connections. And then the third one is that 0.22 acre minimum lot size adjacent to Derby Drive would would be required uh, and not the 0.14 acre minimum lot size that the HR zone allows. So they're putting a restriction on themselves with this. Bierman said the proposed subdivision reduced from 24 to 22 lots. She said only single-family homes will front Derby Drive. Petitioner Chris Bamba said neighborhood aesthetic will be maintained. I do want to also mention there's um, these are not duplexes. I also want to make for the record I'm not planning to do Section 8 or subsidized housing um, with this. Um, our goal is to, if approved, get the basic infrastructure in, build a model, and if demand you know, demand goes away, we're not going to build the whole place out. We'll build as, as people see fit. Bierman said a preliminary plat phasing would consider design specificities. Local real estate broker Andy Walker mentioned a high demand for multifamily development. Neighboring resident Jason Jackson spoke about downsizing needs for development residents. I believe Ms. Thomas said she came and visited our area and said this development seemed to be incongruent with the rest of the area. And I totally agree with that. Uh, For 21 years, I've been a financial advisor. I've dealt with people who have decided in their lifetimes to downsize. I'm sure Mr. Bamba in his time as well had those people who have downsized. When you downsize, you want a smaller space, but what you also want are more services from the city. You need the hospital closer. You need the doctor's office closer. You want to deal with more restaurants. You want walking paths. You want sidewalks, trails. That is what people do when they downsize and get close to retirement. They usually don't move out into the county. Jackson voiced concern about units becoming rentals. Bamba said some trees will be preserved. Community member Patrice Madeira, uh, Ward Steinman, requested expert determination for preservation of trees. Commissioner David Warren found the development compatible. You know, I don't, I don't see these zero lot line homes as being uh, incompatible with with the neighborhood. Um, I live in Fieldstone now on the west on the west side. Uh, we've built a bunch of, of zero lot line homes there. Um, I think it adds to the to our our neighborhood. It adds some housing diversity, um, improves affordability. 
Warren said compact living is more sustainable than saving trees. Commissioner Julie Thomas said medium residential zoning is more appropriate than high density. Monroe County Commissioners will hear the recommendation for final approval. Planner Dre Myers proposed a low-residency residential rezone request at the February 19th Monroe County Commissioners meeting. He said the rezone is designed to permit use of an existing guest house. Um, This type of use is classified as a guest house. Um, Chapter 802 of the Monroe County Zoning Ordinance defines a guest house as, quote, an accessory building containing a lodging unit with or without kitchen facilities used to house occasional visitors or non-paying guests of the occupants of a dwelling unit on the same site. Meyer said current single-family residential zoning is very similar to LR zoning. He said the Van Buren property includes a single-family residence, detached garage, carport, utility shed, and guest house. He said no business is conducted from property buildings. Myers mentioned two proposal conditions. And that condition um, is that the petitioner apply for a permit to convert the use of a residential accessory structure to that of a guest house and also submit a signed affidavit that that structure and use meets the definition of guest house. Um, And then condition number two would be uh, the petitioner apply for all the necessary after the fact building permits for all unpermitted structures on the property. Um, Those two structures would be um, the utility shed and the carport. Commissioners approved the low-residency rezone. Last night, Bloomington's Board of Park Commissioners had its meeting on the rules for the 2020 Community Farmers Market. The board voted 2-1 to one on market rules behavior, with Park's board members Kathleen Mills and Les Coyne voting for the rules and Israel Herrera voting against. WFHB junior correspondent Katrine Bruner has more on the story. Commissioner Israel Herrera argued that the new rules would cause violence with the police. Protesters stated that the rules limit First Amendment rights to protest groups, while granting 1A rights to the Schooner Creek Farms, which was outed for having ties to white supremacy. According to Indiana Public Media, Herrera said he was expected to vote for the rules when going into the meeting, but was moved to vote against after hearing from the public. During the meeting, Bloomington citizens and protesters from the Purple Shirt Brigade and No Space for Hate had the chance to express their opinions on the issue to the board. Activists made ongoing statements about the rules presented while frequently discussing historical and political ties to the issue. Board member Kathleen Mills stated halfway through, quote, you have a strategy to eat up as much time as possible, end quote, frustrated with the rise of issues that seemed unrelated to the items on the agenda for the meeting. At the end of the meeting, the board made the decision for the rules to be enacted immediately with this summer's farmer's market. The rules explain that any protesting that disrupts the regular market activities or disables easy access to the market, such as picketing, yelling, or unreasonable noise-making, is prohibited. Those found doing such activities will then be asked to leave the area and move into one of the designated free speech areas. If the person still refuses, the Bloomington Police Department will be contacted and the person may be arrested. Market coordinator for the Parks Department, Marsha Veldman, presented the rules at the meeting, stating, quote, The rules of behavior are designed to allow the market to fulfill its primary purpose of being a place where farmers, artisans, and customers can come together, while also creating a vibrant community space and allowing for robust community engagement, not just because it's protected by the Constitution, but because it is a strong civic value, end quote. 
For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner. Switchyard Park Playground closed Friday for additional development. Additional play equipment and a cushioned rubber surface will be installed. According to a Bloomington City News release, the playground will include play tunnels, a low ropes course system, and climbing holds on the hillside and masonry wall of the playground. The playground will remain closed until May of 2020. Reporting live for WFHB, I'm Cade Young. And I'm Scott Weddle. Support for WFHB comes from Cardinal Spirits Distillery, located on the B-Line. Cardinal Spirits has opened a new kitchen featuring local seasonal food made from scratch to complement their craft cocktails. Dinner available Tuesday through Saturday at Cardinal Spirits, 922 South Morton Street. In November of last year, the Bloomington Parks and Recreation Department decided to conduct a prescribed burn at Griffey Lake. WFHB correspondent Alex Dieterer covers the burn's latest updates. In between rain, snow, and the increasingly less rare 65-degree weather days, it's hard to imagine a place Bloomington locals and visitors alike have come to know and love on fire. We were always taught to prevent fires, but what happens when your city prescribes one? The Bloomington Parks and Recreation Department will conduct an almost eight-acre prescribed burn at the north shore of Griffey Lake between now and June 1st of this year. The low-intensity ground fire will allow more sunlight to reach the forest floor. This allows for better conditions for the regeneration of oak and hickory trees, as beech and maple trees are currently dominating the forested area. Increasing oak and hickory trees also increases the variety of habitats for animals, such as insects, birds, and reptiles. Steve Cotter, Natural Resources Manager for the Bloomington Parks and Recreation Department, shares his insight on why a prescribed burn is the best route to take. Well, a lot of species benefit from fire, and our human history in the area has really um, not taken that into account until recently, and so when people see fire, our natural inclination is to put it out for safety reasons, and prescribed burns allow for the benefits of fire without the risk of a fire getting out of control, or a greatly reduced risk of the fire getting out of control. The controlled burn will remove invasive plant species, recycle nutrients, and help prevent wildland fires. In addition, it intends to decrease competition and interference with airflow for the existing oak and hickory trees, Cotter said. Environmental Commissioner Don Eggert gives his take on the effects of these invasive species to the environment. Our herbivores um, don't have a taste for them, and they push out native species which can upset the balance of the, uh, the forest system. So this is not just an issue in the United States. It's a global problem. Your ecosystems develop over time, so therefore they're a pretty common problem. The department contracted with Habitat Solutions Wildlife and Forest Management to ensure the fire does not escape, Cotter said. There does remain some concern with Bloomington locals over the possible risks the burn may have. Remember a few years ago when the Forest Service was having a control burn uh, in the Hoosier Forest that you know some people were concerned about the smoke, but it was not something like in uh, Australia or California. But it, as far as I know, it accomplished the task at hand and the, what they were trying to accomplish. The specific date in March the burn will take place depends on the availability of personnel, equipment, 
weather, and moisture levels needed to ensure a safe and successful completion. Well, there is some pollution that's associated with burning, of course, and there are risks to the individual animals that may be out and about when the the fire takes place. Uh, We try to schedule it when most things are not around or dormant or underground. So we had hoped to do it in the fall, but we didn't get a good window of weather for the burn to take place. So we're hoping to do it in March. Bloomington Fire Department will partner with the Bloomington Parks and Recreation Department to ensure local firefighters have fire suppression training. When the burn occurs, the North Shore Trail will close, but the rest of Griffey Lake Nature Preserve will remain open. Stay tuned for Part 2 to learn about the aftermath of the controlled burn in the coming weeks. For WFHB, I'm Alex Dieterer. That was WFHB correspondent Alex Dieterer reporting on a prescribed burn at Griffey Lake. The WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. Up next, our weekly consumer watchdog segment, Better Beware. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. The coronavirus epidemic raging in China has given a lot of people cause to worry and given some nasty opportunities to the scammers. For instance, lots of people are trying to buy face masks, you know, the disposable strap-ons that cover the mouth and nose. And when local stores are sold out, they go online. All too many websites will take your money and send cheap imitation masks or nothing at all. And that's just the start. Watch out for cure-alls, preventative supplements, and various kinds of snake oil that are bound to be showing up. If you really want to protect yourself, talk to a doctor or a licensed pharmacist. However, that's not the only new thing to worry about. We've warned about phony emails that seem to be coming from someone you know, but now the bad guys have kicked it up a notch, a big notch, because it's become possible to fake a voicemail. The Better Business Bureau has sent out an urgent warning about new software that can fake someone's voice, anyone's voice, including yours and the voices of your family, your friends, or whoever. All they need is a five-second sample of someone's voice, and these new software programs, aided by artificial intelligence, can create a message that sounds just like it's someone you know. Voice cloning is new, but it's going to be around from now on. The Federal Trade Commission has already held one workshop on the problem because businesses are among the first targets. A voicemail on your phone sounds exactly like your supervisor asking you to send information somewhere or send money somewhere, and it's a scammer. 
You can bet that the fraudsters are going to use this technique on those emergency scams real soon now. You know, the ones where someone calls and says they've kidnapped a loved one. Now they can put your loved one's voice on the phone to make it seem very real. Or there's the one where a young person calls a parent or grandparent and says they're in trouble. They've been in an accident and are in the hospital, or they've been arrested and need money for bail and a lawyer. From now on, even if you recognize the voice, it could be a fake. So from now on, if you get a voicemail that wants you to do something, especially if it wants you to send money or sensitive personal information, double-check before you do it. Call the person if possible. Get in touch directly, one way or another. Make sure you're really talking to the person who apparently left you the voicemail and ask if it's for real. If you're having a conversation, not just listening to a recording, you can make sure who you're talking to. Yeah, I know. Life just got more complicated. Be aware and beware. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Katrine Bruner and Sydney Foreman in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Better Beware was produced by Richard Fish. Our feature was produced by Alex Dieterer. Our engineer today, Dan Withered. The music provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Executive producer is Cade Young for WFHB. This is Scott Weddle. And I'm Cade Young. Thank you for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent local news program. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. Send inquiries to news at wfhb.org. Stay tuned for Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio. Hereabouts is produced in partnership with the Asian Cultural Center on the campus of Indiana University, Bloomington. That's Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 